9 is where we are tonight, if you want to turn there. And tonight I want us to see in this psalm uh, three things we have to realize about God. And then we'll close uh, with uh, two things that we need to, to ask for. And uh, so three things we need to realize about God and then two things we need to ask for. Uh, here in Psalm 139, it's a psalm that is focused on really three characteristics of God. The fact that he's omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent. And, uh, and so those are the three things we have to realize about him, that he is these things as it will help us then again, like I've said many times before, when we understand who God is, it is so helpful to us in obeying God. Um, I don't know if you've ever been somewhere before where you walked into work uh, or into a job or something like that, and you didn't know who the actual boss was, and uh, maybe you were kind of loose and laughing or whatever, and then someone says, hey, that's the boss, like the boss. And then all of a sudden, everybody gets quiet and as well-behaved as possible and those kinds of things because they understand whose presence they're in. Um, and I grew up traveling and visiting different churches, and there was always, I don't know, especially the first time you're there as a kid, when you find out who the pastor is, you know around that person you've got to be extra good. Um, and Because uh, if you weren't and he told your parents, then you were in big, big trouble. Just a normal person in the church. Who cares? But the pastor, you know, I've got to be good. Um, I wish our kids were that way. But anyways, um, with God, again, when we understand who he is, when we comprehend whose presence we are in, it helps us to live for him. And so we've got to, we've got to understand these three things about God. Number one, that God is omniscient. That God is omniscient. Uh, look in verse number one where that is stated. It says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. We're going to look at that word know here several times over the next couple verses. Um, but to understand that God knows you. Um, again, you know, and we've talked about this in different ways in different messages. But they, and we talked about it a lot recently about how it's personal. God is personal. Yes, he loves the world. But with that, it's not he loves the world, so therefore you're included. No, he loves the world he loves you you're just not a, a number in the crowd God specifically loves you he knows you and again I, I've always talked about this with God's omniscience um, being all-knowing and his all omnipresence being everywhere that it's it's a positive or a negative depending on how you're living right if God knows everything about you that could be good <laughs> and it could be bad uh, if God sees everything he's everywhere that could be good and that could be bad. He's there to protect me. He's there to guide me. He's there to help me. He's there to all these things. But when I'm doing wrong, he's there. He sees it. He knows it. That's, that's bad for me, right? In the sense that uh, um, we like when he's there for us when we need him. We don't love that he's there and sees us when we're doing wrong. But he is all-knowing, uh, omniscient. Uh, the Lord has searched me and he's known me. Verse number two, we see a few things about, about this idea of omniscient uh, and the uh, uh, omniscient God. We see that he sees, verse number two, thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Uh, he sees you. He sees, sees you when you wake up and when you go to sleep. Uh, he sees you in, in all different aspects of the day. 
He sees. He, he sees you. Obviously, he knows you. Look at the rest of verse 2. It says, Thou understandest my thought afar off. This verse is specifically written about me, my thought. I only got one of them. Um, so he understands. as a joke. Sorry, I thought it was funny. Um, thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compass my path uh, and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. He knows. He sees. He knows. He protects. Uh, I'm sorry, look at verse 4. Uh, this is still back with, with he knows. Uh, For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. He knows my thoughts. He knows what I'm about to say. He, he knows it all. Verse 5, he protects. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. The fact that God is all-knowing and all-present uh, is, is included here with the idea that he protects me. He takes care of me. And he does that because he sees and because he knows. And then in verse number 6, um, it's good for us to understand he's smarter. Smarter than me, smarter than you, smarter than the smartest person that's ever lived. Verse number 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high I cannot attain unto it. God's wisdom, his knowledge, his understanding, he gets it. <laughs> there is nothing that surprises God. There's nothing that God is not aware of. There's nothing that God does not know. Um, God is all-knowing. He's omniscient. Number two, we see that God is omnipresent. He, he's everywhere. Um, nothing can hide us from God. And that's important because we think about, and I don't like to think about this, but you think about abductions. All right, and there's this, this scary thing where you think about, okay, I don't know where, you know, I've seen plenty of movies and, and TV shows and those, the old, back when I was a kid, Rescue 911 show um, and all these different things, right? That, that scared me to death. Uh, but um, nonetheless, the idea of not knowing where a child is, that's just terrifying. Uh, if you've ever been in the grocery store and, and you, you, you were too busy looking at the list or the items on the, the shelf and didn't pay attention to where your kid was, and although they're just one aisle over, there's that moment of panic. Um, and this was even when before there was, you know, there was still stuff going on, I suppose, but uh, nowadays it seems more prevalent. But anyways... That, that moment of fear, don't, don't know where the kid is, um, nothing can hide us from God. God. There's not a moment in time where God is not present and, and there. And that should encourage us, even though sometimes uh, it discourages us again because God can see it. Uh, but we see a couple things that cannot hide us from God. First of all is death. Look at verse 7 and 8. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Uh, death, death is not the, uh, cannot hide us from God. Um, obviously, our sin separates us from God, but it doesn't hide us from God. Remember Adam and Eve in the garden? They so-called, so, as it said, they hid um, and God, you know, we've always heard it this way. God goes, Adam, where are you? Um, you know, God didn't wonder where Adam was. 
Um, that God asked, why were you hiding? But it wasn't because he couldn't find them. <laughs> he was confronting the sin issue. And, uh, and so nothing can hide us from God. Death can't. Distance can't. Verse number 9 and 10. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. I can't travel so far away that God, I'm away from God, that God cannot get to me. Remember, was it Jeremiah or Isaiah? I think it was Jeremiah that said um, something to the effect. I apologize, I didn't look it up, but search, search, you can search for me, and uh, and I'm I'm near. Um, the idea is is in the dark, feeling around, uh, and I, I apologize, I can't think of the verse, but feeling around, and, and you're going to find me because I'm, I'm close by. And that's the thing. Nothing can separate us from God. Nothing can hide us from God, I mean. Uh, no distance, no death. And how about darkness? That's what I'm just talking about in, in, in the prophets. But verse number 11 and 12, uh, If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the night are both alike to thee. God is not blindfolded. You can't turn the lights out on God. Um, as, a, as a kid, if you're trying to get away uh, from someone, if you're playing a game or whatever, or you're just being mean, and you're trying to get away from someone, you get them in a room, you get them on the far side of the room, you turn the light off and leave. Uh, and then they can't you shut the door, and then all of a sudden they're in this room in the dark, and they can't figure out where to go. They, they're feeling around, trying not to stub their toe or trip over something or whatever it may be. And... And then they, they get, to a degree, disoriented, lost. They don't know where in the room they are. And uh, even if they know the room well, there's this, this moment of, okay, what's around me? How do I get out of here? A little bit of a moment of panic uh, as well. But darkness can't hide us from God. God sees in the dark. He's, uh, he, he was the first one ever to have night vision. Uh, he doesn't need the goggles. He just can see. Because he's everywhere. He's, he's omnipresent. And nothing can hide us from God. And that brings us to point number three, the fact that God is omnipotent. And we see one of the greatest things in, in, in Scripture to prove this is creation and the fact that he created me and he created you. Verse number 13, uh, the Bible says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance yet being unperfect. And in thy book uh, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. That's uh, a great, great passage to look at, again, I think just the uh, sanctity of life in whole. But to understand here that, uh, that God is the creator of me, and he's the creator of you. Yes, he created the trees and the ocean and the plants and the animals and all those kinds of things. And it's wonderful that he did, but he created me. And in my opinion, that's, that's the greatest creation he could have done. And I'm excited about that. I'm happy about that. And, uh, and, and God is uh, omnipotent, and, and it's proven in the creation, and specifically in the creation of life. And then, not only that, but uh, we see as well his um, consideration of us as well. Verse 17, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! 
How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. When we look at God and the characteristics of God and to see that he is a, uh, a God of relationship, um, that he, he wants a relationship with his creation, that he desires a, a relationship with his creation, it just, it just shows the power of God because it takes power to desire that. Um, it shows strength to to want me <laughs> to 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 want to want a relationship with me. It's not for the weak, and the same same is true with you, and uh, and we see that through just again the way that God loves us, and uh, and how wonderful uh, His creation, how wonderful His thoughts, how wonderful His actions. Um, how wonderful his word is. And that brings us to the last few verses, and I want us to look at these last verses and see two things that we need to request. Uh, Start off verse number 19. It says, Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men, for they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? And am not I grieved with those that rise up against me? I hate them with perfect hatred. I counted them mine enemies. One of the things we need to ask for when we're, when we're speaking to a God who is omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent is we need to ask for salvation. And it's not, again, spiritual salvation obviously first. But it's not just that. It's deliverance through the trials of life. And here we see the psalmist saying there is an enemy um, and, and, he, and he looks at them against God versus against himself. Um, do, do not, verse 21, do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee. Am I not grieved with those that rise up against thee? And so he's, he's pointing out the fact that it's not his enemies, it's God's enemies. And again, it goes back to the point of, of depending on God to provide salvation from them because ultimately it's an attack on him, not an attack on me. And, uh, and so we see this. He, verse, I love verse 22. I hate them with a perfect hatred. Uh, again, that word perfect, that fulfilling, that complete, that, that entire. Um, there's nothing about them that I don't hate is, is ultimately what's being said here. And he says, I count them mine enemies. Why are they my enemies? Because they're God's enemies. And I'm on God's side. I'm supposed to be. And, uh, and if I'm on God's side, then, then who can be against me? Nobody, because they're against God. <laughs> See, the, it's not about me. Again, it's, it's, it has nothing to do with me. He must increase, I must decrease. It's not about me. So I hate them that hate thee. I count them mine enemies because they're your enemies. And we have to seek God for the uh, protection. Verse 19, surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. It's, it's not a focus on the wicked. It's a focus on who God is and what God is capable of. It's not a focus on how bad they are and how, how hurtful they are. It's, it's a focus on who God is and what God is capable of doing. And then that brings us to the second thing we need to ask for. And, uh, and what a wonderful passage this is, verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We need to ask God for a searching. Um. 
I think Psalm 51 is, a, is a, an incredible psalm where David, after his being confronted by Nathan and understanding his sin, uh, he knew he sinned with Bathsheba, but it was a confrontation of that sin. And he finally then goes to God and he says, create in me a new heart, O God. Uh, it, is a, it is a looking for a complete uh, cleansing of his soul. And here in this verse, it's the same idea, search me, God. Know, know what my heart is. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way and lead me in the way everlasting. Uh, <laughs> there are times in Scripture, and it's good, but there's times in Scripture where uh, the human author is saying, we have done wicked against you. I'm talking about the nation, and it was true. We have done wrong. We have failed we have whatever our fathers failed all these sorts of things in this psalm it is a very individual words here search me you know i've heard the story said i don't remember if it was the wesleys or who it was i don't remember who said it originally but the whole idea of if you want revival draw a circle in the ground step into the circle and ask god for revival for everyone that's inside the circle it's an understanding that it's not as much as i want to see global change as much as I want to see national change, as much as I want to see uh, community change, the reality is, is I have to change. And the psalmist here who just comes off of saying that you're going to take care of the wicked, you're going to wipe them out, um, I hate them because they hate you, um, all these sorts of things, he comes back and says, God, search me and make sure there's nothing in me that's wrong. And I'll tell you what, if you're honest and you pray that prayer, it's a scary prayer. <laughs> To open, now listen, does God know your heart? Yes, he does. Uh, but honestly, so much of our Christian life is centered around the idea of me knowing that God knows my heart versus God knowing my heart. Me realizing God knows my heart. Because I fool people all the time. You fool people all the time. And, and to know and understand and comprehend, God knows my heart. So that when we ask him, God, search me, he will. Ask, shall be given. I'll tell you what, Christians need to spend more time saying, God, search me. If before we are, or at any moment in our life where we have a thought about someone else, uh, a, a spirit of, of judgment, a, a negative thought, a uh, that person's evil, that person's sinful, that person's wrong, any of those kinds of things, as soon as we have that, that thought in our mind, if we would say, God, Search my heart. How would it change the way you think? How would it change the way you respond? Because oftentimes, it's not necessarily bad motives, but we come across as, well, that person, I mean, they're doing this and they're doing that. and I mean, they're not supposed to do that. The Bible clearly says they're not supposed to do that. And then we begin to, in our, in our own heart, even though we're not talking to anyone else, we begin to gossip in our own heart. And gossip just leads to more negativity and, and to, to more wrongdoing. And before long, we're going to gossip to someone else. It won't just be in our own heart. Next thing you know, we're talking to someone else about it. And it's not in a helpful manner. Sometimes we say, well, that person's wrong, and I'm going to go help them. And we go with the wrong mindset. And even though the, the idea of helping them is right, the way we go about it is wrong. And I'll tell you what, if we just take a moment to say, search me, <laughs> it changed the way we approach that person. Maybe change if we even approach that person. It would change the way we talk to our friends about other people. Search me. 
oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my way. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. With that searching comes leading, uh, seeking God's guidance and following the way that he leads. It's one thing for God to lead. It's another thing for us to follow. They should go hand in hand, but they don't always. <laughs> Have you ever, I, man, I was a really mean kid. Um, but the idea of, hey, we'll follow you. Oh, okay. And that person takes off walking and everybody else stands there or goes the other direction. I don't know if you ever did that or not or had that done to you. Uh, but uh, the one person's leading, but ain't nobody following. You know, God does that all the time. We say, God, show me what you want me to do. God, give me understanding. God, give me wisdom. And he says, okay, follow me. And he starts walking. And we just stand still or we go the other way. God leading and us following are two separate actions. And he'll always be willing to lead or we willing to follow. If we ask God, search me, lead me, uh, then we have to follow, obviously, as well. But it starts with the humbleness of saying, God, search me, because that, that's a humble prayer. Um, because when God searches you, <laughs> you're going to find something out. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe you are, and I think this psalmist was truthfully felt like he was where he was supposed to be. So I guess says, God, just search me because I want to make sure I'm where I'm supposed to be. That's a, that's a good prayer. And, uh, and God would search him, and God would tell him, is there anything here that needs to change? And if it was, I believe the psalmist was ready to change. And, uh, and if we're going to pray, search me, we need to be open to whatever God finds and open to doing what was necessary if God finds something that needs to change as well. Um, so we need to realize God is omniscient. He's omnip omnipresent and he is omnipotent. We need to ask two things for salvation uh, or um, a pulling out and, uh, and for searching. You know, God would search us. And if he, and if he does and we let him, uh, we'll just grow closer to him, uh, guaranteed. All right, before I close in prayer, is there any other uh, prayer requests that we need to add to the list?